Welcome to Red and Cue. I'm Tri. And I'm Alyssa. You're listening to episode 10, Vibrant Voice Character Edition. And today we have Tay with us. Do you want to tell the listeners a bit about yourself? I mean, I enjoy writing, obviously. I have an Australian shepherd. He's a fabulous boy. He's about three years old now. His name is Ace. And currently I'm looking into self-publishing my very first book. That's cool. And I sometimes I feel like the um, topics for these episodes are kind of clear from the titles, but we are talking about character voice today. Yeah. So I guess like the first question we can ask to lead into that is, what is character voice? Well, character voice is just the voice of your character. It's how they talk. It's how they express themselves verbally. Yeah. Yeah, it's fairly simple. Yep. <laughs> but it's hard to do. So, um, why is character voice important? So, I think it's important because speech is for communication. And your characters have to communicate with your audience. So you have to make sure that they seem like real people in their communication. So that communication doesn't feel fake. And that you can get your point across through their verbal communication and it's also a gateway to have all sorts of fun interactions that just make the reader want to read more. It's also important because like, you want to be able to distinguish the different characters from each other. Hopefully because, especially in multi-point of view, you want to be able to tell which character is narrating the different scene. Yes, definitely. It's not, definitely not a problem for everyone because some people don't write in multiple points of view, but it can be interesting. Okay, so what are different components for character voice? Well, the first components are just things that you can describe in the narration, such as the tone of their voice and other sorts of whatnot. But beyond that, the things that you actually put in quotations, um, you have accent options. You have options for repetitive speech patterns how sophisticated of words they use, what words they use, and why they use them. So basically character voice, it's in the narration and it's in dialogue. Absolutely, yes. Do you have like different examples for those components you just mentioned? Um, sure. So for tone, I mean, that's pretty basic. You just describe it in the narration. You could describe it as deep or high and all sorts of other things. A lot of times, if you have magical creatures, their voices are compared to music and whatnot. Going into accents, I have seen people actually write out accents outside of the narration. So then people can actually read like, oh, they said it this way. And, you know, I kind of have mixed feelings about that in all honesty. Like, you can just say in the narration, they have a French accent, and that's good. But I have seen completely written out accents within the quotations done extremely well. And it actually made the writing experience or the reading experience really magical. So I feel like it's really, really good if you can do it well. But if you can only do it mediocre, I would actually suggest just mentioning in the narration that they have a French accent. Because when it's done just mediocre or poorly, it actually is kind of like unmagical and is the complete opposite of the first experience. Yeah. 
and you still need to be able to understand the character because I think I've mentioned this in another uh, podcast but I read a book for school and the one character had a horrible accent I just skipped over all of his dialogue because I could not understand anything he was saying oh no fortunately he was not a main character that would have been sad if he was like the MC. oh no okay so what are some things you can put into character voice to make them unique or good well some characters ramble (laughs) you want to be careful with this one because like obviously you don't want to drag it on too long but i think it is fun to put a little bit of rambling into certain characters speech patterns and whatnot just to change things up also uh something i wanted to talk about was slip-ups like characters saying the wrong thing which can actually be really important for plot and character development So, like, for the plot example, in the Boss Baby movie, there's a kid and a Boss Baby, and they're supposed to be brothers, but they don't want to be. And so they refer to the kid's parents as just the kid's parents, not the Boss Babies. But I noticed that as we near the end of the movie, both the kid and the Boss Baby end up saying, our parents, at one point or another. And that little slip-up of our parents instead of my parents or his parents actually shows the characters growing together and beginning to see each other more as brothers. Another beautiful example of this that I saw just for funny and character development was in Kate DiCamillo's Louisiana's Way Home. It was written in first person, and Louisiana has a tendency to call like titles of things, like buildings especially, the wrong names. And so there was a church called the Good Shepherd Church, but in her first person narration, she called it the Tiny Shepherd Church, the Sad Shepherd Church, and all of these other things that never went corrected because it's first person. And that was just kind of a magical experience to see how far her character was just into the entire thing. Yeah. That reminds me of, like, another part, because, like, different characters can call, like, different rooms or different items diff- by different names, because in one of the stories I wrote, I had two characters, and there's this room, and one character called it the meeting room, and the other character called it the common room. It made it can make things complicated and a little bit confusing for the reader, but I think if you're able to let the reader know, like, hey, this is the same room, then it can also be a good part of character voice. Definitely. Yeah, slip-ups, they're good because it reveals what the character's actually thinking and stuff, because it's slipping up. It's like they're failing to stay serious or to hide what's underneath whatever face or mask they're trying to put on. Yeah. And, like, especially if you aren't reading their point of view, then you still get to see what they're thinking, even if you aren't reading their narration. Yeah, and it can cause some pretty interesting conflict, too, if they (laughs) accidentally say something really awkward. Oh, no! (laughs) So what are some other things we could add? Well, you can give your characters just, like, an ingrained speech pattern. Essentially, what I did there, you could give them just like. And then I continued ingrained speech pattern. So when they use filler words and 
all sorts of other things, how often they say specific words. I've noticed some people say like random words a lot. It's kind of interesting. Another thing with ingrained speech pattern is let's say you're writing in English, but you have a character who's from France. You can actually put French language grammatical structure into his English. So he could say like, I have walked the dog last night. And while that doesn't like quite match up in English, it's actually giving a nod back to his original French language using that grammatical form. I don't notice that much when people around me use certain words, but I was editing a transcript for something that like a computer had converted from text to speech. And this one person kept on using, you know, <laughs> in, the, in the middle of sentences and I had to keep on taking it out. But there, there are speech patterns that you don't always notice. And they'll often come out when you're more nervous or struggling to say something. Yeah. It's, it's funny because like since I, I edit the podcasts and so I get to hear all the different speech patterns from everyone. It's kind of cool because I'm like, oh, these are the different speech patterns everyone, ha everyone has. And now I can use them for my characters. <laughs> yeah. Another thing you can ingrain into a character's speech pattern is using proper similes and comparisons using other objects. So like... Basic example, a person from the medieval times wouldn't say, oh, that wagon was traveling as fast as a car, because there weren't cars. Yep. But you could do other things like um, have them describe colors using their native flora and fauna from wherever they're from, and other sorts of things like that. Yeah. I was just thinking, because I, I, I wrote a medieval novel a while ago, and I'm just remembering when I was writing, and I wanted to do the metaphor, like, I felt like a speeding train. I'm like, no, wait, there are no trains. I can't do that metaphor. <laughs> so I had to find a substitution. I think I did, like, a charging horse or something, because that seemed to work. Yeah, and I've seen it on, like, I read part of the one, the character liked food a lot, and so she, colors and stuff, she described using food. Like a blue, she described as blue raspberry and stuff. Alyssa knows what I'm talking about. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, that's a good, that was a good part of the voice. Yeah, which brings up another thing. Some characters, part of their voices, they think about something a lot, like food or <laughs> books maybe or being outside or sports. And it's just something that they might randomly bring up. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, because, like, their interests and, like, what they do, their hobbies, that can also reflect in their character voice, I found. Their analogies that they can compare one thing to, like, something they do and just the things they think about and the terminology they use can be reflected by just what they do. Yeah, exactly. I actually have a character um, who had, like, a very, you know, action-based past. He did a lot of, like, on-mission fighting type things that whole classic guy, but he actually had a very specific terminology that he would use with his partners and with um, the people he was reporting to. And so now in his day-to-day -day basis, when he experiences an adrenaline rush, he actually flips to that other form of terminology. And so he'll like call males androids and females genocoids. And just kind of pull more into his on-mission terminology and language. 
Yeah, that's interesting. One interesting thing I've seen about character voice is that sometimes when the character is yelling or whatever, the author could want to put all caps and like multiple exclamation points. And I found that that really kind of depends on what age group you are targeting with your book. Because I have seen it done in published books, but they were mostly for elementary school aged and younger. And so it seems like in that younger age group, it's okay to kind of put more inflection into actually how you write the words, putting it in all caps or whatnot. But once you hit middle school, it's kind of going to start to be seen as more odd, (laughs) especially for adult books. You never, like, pick up an adult book and there's a character screaming in all caps. (laughs) Yeah, and that reminds me of another thing. The length of sentences can be part of character voice. So some characters will use really long sentences with lots of commas. Some characters will use, like, no commas. (laughs) Some characters speak in, like, really short clip sentences. Yeah. I do have a character who speaks in short sentences, actually. And then in the same novel, I have a character who speaks in rambly sentences with lots of um, M-dashes and commas and also just a hyper vibe in general. So they're two very different characters. (laughs) Yeah, that is kind of the fun thing about character voice, though. Oftentimes you can just look at what the character is saying and then see their personality through it. Yep. I have a good example of character voice I can mention. Sure. So one of my favorite examples for character voice is Huckleberry Finn. And that's like one of the classic ones because the entire narration is written with like accent and bad grammar and stuff. And it's just, it's really unique and you can still understand most of it but it it adds so much more to the story and it's more realistic for that character because if Huckleberry was telling a story like the story is written from his perspective like he's he's writing down his adventures he wouldn't be able to write in perfect grammar with perfect spelling all the time and it just adds a whole another layer to the story because you get to read how he'd actually do it you get to see more of his personality Yeah, I definitely feel like grammar and syntax rules can just go out the window when you're writing in first person. Yeah, sometimes I just write in my character, because like often, even like with rambly sentences, like you don't need to make your voice concise if your character is a rambler. But like you said before, you don't want to go too far with it because if your character rambles about who knows what, the reader will likely forget what they were originally talking about. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, which isn't bad. Like, you could have a few scenes where the character does go on and ramble about something and keeps them forgetting. (laughs) But, like, only during some part of the book that's maybe not as important. Yeah. Like, probably not the conflict or any action scenes. Yeah. This is making me think of, oh, I think it was, like, Marvel's Ant-Man movie or something. There's that one character who, when he tells a story, just, it starts to get all twisted. It was like, oh, oh yeah, no! yeah. <laughs> I think I know who you're talking about. That is interesting, though, writing novels where the language spoken isn't actually the language that the book is in. I think I'm, I think I'm going to do that again in a plot bunny I got. And it's developing, so I'm forced to write it at this point. I'm going to write it later. I don't know when, but later. (laughs) 
But yeah, I think most of the characters are German. So I'm not quite sure how I'm going to pull that off. <laughs> Actually, I listened to an audio drama about Dietrich Bonhoeffer, and they did a really good job at throwing in German words into it. And they did it in a way that you understood what that word meant. Either it was close enough to English or you just they just put it in the right spot so you knew what it was implying. Yeah. So it's like it had to it's a balance. It's it's really unique and really cool way to add to the story. You just have to do it right. Yep. Yeah, it's true. It can definitely get confusing, especially if you're writing in English and using Japanese or something. It's like all of a sudden, ah, katakana alphabet. The reader has no idea what's <laughs> yeah. going on. Yeah, so for example, in my stories, I have a plot bunny, which I'm not working on right now because I have to focus on my main story. <laughs> but I will write it eventually. But it's a fantasy world, so I was creating a language for it. But the main thing is I use a language for place names mainly or people's names instead of like regular words. And that can that can sometimes help. But that's not, that's not directly related to character voice. <laughs> that's just a note on languages and novels. I guess one topic I thought of but, like, wasn't able to come up with much for was speech impediments. I've never really given any characters speech impediments or seen things about that. Have you guys read any books with that sort of thing? Or Maybe, but I couldn't tell you where or what the speech impediment was. <laughs> I know I've read some, like, I think historic fiction books with a few of the characters who have like a stutter that's the most common one i've seen and sometimes i use like a stutter but my characters like if they're nervous i think there's like one character that i've kind of given one to but he's currently not in my novel that much so i feel like it's easy to overdo it with like the nervous stuttering but i suppose if you used it right it could be used for humor or conflict or something just say it man i'm too nervous i can't <laughs> <laughs> I usually only do like like one word or a certain like a certain letters. Yeah. Yeah, that's one thing I think that's part of it. It's you don't it's certain letters, especially like S's, I think, and TH. Like those kind of sounds that especially stutter on. I like sometimes it it, it can depend on the person too, I guess. Also there are some letters that it's very hard to stutter on as i have found out when reading out loud so am i so am i writing i'm like wait how is it even possible to stutter on this <laughs> i think it has to do with your lips so this is this is really off topic <laughs> <laughs> but it's sounds that you make like w you make with your lips and like sounds you form with your lips are ones you can probably stutter on so things like vowels yeah. And, like, harsher sounds, probably not. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not an expert on this. <laughs> I'm just making observations. It's interesting how much character personality and viewpoint affects their character voice. I was actually, like, thinking about this earlier. Um, we keep my dog's toys up on a high cabinet so then he doesn't rip all the stuffing out of them and make an entire mess. But um, this morning, I got down on his level and just looked up at the top of the cabinet, and all of a sudden, it had a whole different meaning to it. 
Because as a human, I'm just walking around. I can kind of see up there. Oh, yes, I reach up and grab a toy. But down on his level where it was so out of sight and out of reach, all of a sudden it was like this magical place that goodness <laughs> rains from every once in a while. And it just really changed how I saw it. Yeah. Who you are really does affect your character voice. That's why it is your voice, because it's, it's how you express yourself. It's how the character expresses theirself. And the stuff of, like, your culture and, like, who you are in the story will really affect your character voice. Like, a professor is going to talk a lot differently than a gang member. <laughs> and a little kid is going to speak a lot differently than an old man who's seen many things. Yeah, it's interesting that you brought up the culture. I think I recently read somewhere that, like, in more American and Western cultures, you know, we tend to think of time on a horizontal line. So, like, I'm running behind time and other things like that. Well, in more, like, Chinese and Eastern cultures, they tend to think of it more as a vertical line. So something more similar to, like, I'm running under time. And that was just really interesting. Yeah, that's true. I have heard people say similar things like, I'm under time or over time. But yeah, it's kind of cool. Yeah, even like things like education, what they're taught will affect their character voice too. Like if they're taught that something's wrong or like this thing is untouchable or unspeakable, you're going to notice if they have to if they have to interact with that thing or do something around that thing, they're going their character voice is going to be affected by that. Or like if something is considered very special or very holy, maybe they use that, like when they're trying to describe something that's really beautiful, they'll compare it to that. Or something that's really low, they'll compare it to that. And that's where culture is really important because depending on what in their culture is important or what isn't, that will change maybe how they think about things. Yeah, so like like their religion almost, like if you know your character's religion, that can affect how they speak and it can affect what they say. Like, say if, like, you're a Christian, you might not use God's name in vain. It Like, if you were a Christian, I'm not trying to, like, generalize here, but <laughs> it, it just as an example. Yeah, ejaculations are also really interesting and depend a lot on personality and culture and religion. I had a character that once exclaimed nuggets, as in, like, chicken nuggets. <laughs> yeah. Like, different characters can have different words to express frustration. Yeah, I have a friend who came up with a whole bunch of, like, creative ways to express frustration and stuff because she's not allowed to use, like, any, like, kind of, like, swear words or stuff for good reasons. But she came up with, like, really random things like muffins <laughs> or, like, other specific things. <laughs> I think they'll tie back into the language, too. Depending on what their native language is, they might have a different expression of, like, surprise or frustration. You could even use other words from different languages for that, because it's fairly obvious if they're upset at something and they use some <laughs> word from a different language that it means that they're upset. Yeah, you could possibly even try to, like, translate sentences that they say, like expressions. The only thing I can think of right now is Russian. They say what basically means like a nut, which is very easy. It's very easy to move a nut. That's interesting. And like we use expressions like light as a feather or like clockwork. 
faster than a speeding bullet. That's interesting because like oftentimes in narration, we're taught not to use cliches, but it can actually be okay sometimes for characters in their voice to use cliches. You probably just don't want to overdo it because then your readers would be like, so much cliche. (laughs) (laughs) Seems like most everything is a balancing act. Unless, of course, your character is like, one of their defining traits is they speak in cliches. (laughs) Oof, that already sounds exhausting to write. (laughs) Oh, that reminds me, we watched a really interesting movie last night and the characters were supposed to be canadian so at the beginning of the movie after every sentence and in the middle sentences they were saying a it got to the point where it was terribly (laughs) annoying and i would have left the movie it got better but it was part of their character voice (laughs) (laughs) oof that that, that just as a canadian that makes it just like uh. (laughs) oh my goodness yeah yeah, they were slightly stereotypical. <laughs> but it was, it was a ridiculous movie. It made no sense, but it was, rid- it was it was good. It made no sense and it was annoying, but it was good. <laughs> yeah, it was very it was very funny. Humor is always good in stories. Oh, and I thought of another thing that might affect character voices. Their emotions, what mood they're in. Like, if they're angry, their character, vo- their voice might change. If they're sad, their voice might change. If they're happy, if they're really excited, if they're kind of just, like, upset, like, the t- type of sentences they use, the words they use. If they're nervous, they might fall back on using certain words more. If they're trying to make a good impression, they might be more polite, more straightforward, um, phrase things more carefully. Yeah. I had a character who's just very goofy, very fun. He loved saying funny things and doing funny things. But he and his friend were put into kind of like a more dangerous situation. And his character really stepped up. He carried himself differently. He spoke more toughly and more confidently. And so the danger factor in his surroundings affected how he behaved. Yeah, and character voice can change when you're around different people. Like, for example, my dad actually speaks differently. Like, he has a different, literally different voice when he's around family than when he's talking to someone more formal or, like, guests or something. Like, it's an entire different tone. Yeah, and you can also, like, pick up different phrases and sentences and words from different people because... Like, I can use the one for him as an example. Like, I joined, I'd be like, what is this word carry? And what is this word? I, I'm never going to use those words. Now, fast forward to now when I use it, every time I use it to describe my characters. <laughs> you, you can, like, pick up different phrases or sentences from your, like, people you interact, around, or interact with a lot without even realizing it. And then you just start speaking in that sort of voice. Not exactly, of course, but, like, you can... Because, like, your voice is technically a mix of everything around you and what you've been taught and just things you've picked up from different people. That could be a really fun thing to do in a novel or a series. All the characters start out speaking very differently, and then as they go along, there are certain phrases and patterns that they all kind of collectively pick up on from each other. And That would be fun. 
Yeah, and I've seen that like in stories. Sometimes there's like a character that dies or some sort of character like that and they start using phrases that that character had kind of to like remember them. So there's like sometimes that shows like if you if you like someone or if you care about them, you might start using things that they say. Kind of like how you're more likely to yawn when someone you know yawns <laughs> versus a stranger. one interesting thing I could kind of bring up is third person narration I almost view as a character voice like I don't want to overstep the topic but I think it is worth pointing out that the narrator is a voice and how you display that voice is very important for the overall feel of your story and how you present your characters and whatnot yeah I think that's what some people would call authorial voice that made me think of like the book a book I'm reading it's the book thief and it's a third person well it it's kind of it's mostly a third person narration but there is occasionally the first person because it's narrated by death and occasionally death will have their own interjections but most of the actual story is concentrated on a character who is who the point of view is not in. So it's kind of interesting to have a narrator like that and who is mostly third person. Like, it's, it's I don't know how to phrase it. It's like, it's almost an omniscient narrator who can speak in first person. So it can be unique. Yeah, I'm thinking of A Series of Unfortunate Events by Lemony Snicket. Lemony Snicket's voice is very clearly first person, but also mainly third person because he's telling a story that's not his. Yeah, I just know, like, pick something though and stick with it because I'm reading Moby Dick and it literally switches between first person, third person, <laughs> second oh, person, and then random historical notes that have nothing to do with the story. Oh, man. <laughs> that, that does sound like it can be frustrating. It all it all adds to like the voice of the story, but in general it's a bit weird to have like one chapter first person, all of a sudden the next chapter second person, then all of a sudden it switches to the third person. You're like, where did this other character that's in first person go? Like, what what's happening? Like there is a bit of consistency because it's all told by this one character, so his voice does come through in all of it. But it's it yeah, you have to be careful that you balance the third person and first person kind of if you do that kind of thing. And maybe don't write in second person if you're doing that because it's a bit weird. <laughs> yeah, second person is a great POV to write in. Just, just try like on its own, maybe. <laughs> so to finish up, do you have any like last words or? Anything else you'd want to tell the listeners? I guess the only thing I can finally think of is that speech is for communication. So in the end, it doesn't matter how many grammatical or syntax errors you make, as long as you correctly communicate your thoughts or the thoughts of your characters. That's really good. Thank you for um, coming on and talking about character voice with us. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, thank you for having me. I've really enjoyed it. This episode's fun writing quote is from Ray Bradbury, and this is what it says. Remember, 
plot is no more than footprints left in the snow after your characters have run by on their way to incredible destinations. Reminds me of um, plot bunnies. They're like <laughs> the little the rabbit, tra- rabbit trails that just like hop around everywhere. <laughs> it's true though. I can testify that rabbits actually do leave rabbit trails because we have three rabbits. And when they get out in the winter, they literally go everywhere. <laughs> That's where the expression comes from. Yeah, and one time they got out, mom and my brother had to chase her around town, and th- they had to try to follow the footprints. And they, it, it's little rabbit trails. Like they go in circles and <laughs> disappear randomly, and then show up somewhere else. It's a very accurate expression, is what I'm saying. We hope you enjoy this episode. Thanks for listening. Keep writing. See you next time.